Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome everybody to another episode of Pod Strickland. This is episode 155, and I'm your host Schwinny Pooh, and I am here to ring in a glorious, magnificent, not so fake comeback against the dastardly Boston Celtics on a miracle uh, banked in three by RJ Barrett at the buzzer. Before we get started today, uh, I just wanted to let everybody know that the Strickland does have a Patreon. Uh, you can subscribe to it. There are multiple tiers. Uh, the $6 tier gets you access to Pod Strickland every Friday. It also gets you access to mine, Jeremy, and Doug's, Drew, uh, our mailbag together. It also gets you access to the Strickland Discord, where we commiserate about the Knicks all the time. Uh, also, if you subscribe to the $9 tier, you get access to weekly articles from Jack Hunley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best in the business in terms of writing in general, uh, but more specifically, basketball writing, and even more specifically, Knicks writing. Uh, so, definitely check that out. You also get access to po- uh, sorry, my podcast, uh, the individual one, Strick and Roll, uh, if you want to listen to me yell even more about the Knicks. Uh, other than that, there are also further tiers, $15, $30, $50, and $100 tiers. Uh, all of those come with additional benefits, like discounts on merchandise, uh, joining us on pod recordings, and even potentially hosting a podcast with us. Uh, Whether you subscribe or not, we want to thank you for your support. And without further ado, let's get into this episode. Uh, I am joined by my co-host, as always, Prez, that's at Presidente on Twitter, uh, a.k.a. Marina Sadai. If you don't know, now you know. Prez, what's up? Yo, dude. That shit was crazy. I didn't... I told you. The time or the, or the game? That was both crazy. That was both crazy. <laughs> if anybody listening doesn't watch Wheel of Time on Amazon, go watch it. It's fire. Um, yeah, dude, I, I told you before. Like Originally, I, I, I had something planned, and I didn't think I could move it, so I wasn't going to be able to watch the game. Then I watched the first quarter, couldn't watch the second quarter, and watched the second half. So it was just like a weird viewing experience for me and i watched it on mute because i hate all the national announcers so it was like oh competitive game and then i turned the game off then i checked my phone at halftime and we were getting our fucking backs blown out and i was like what on what on earth happened that usually doesn't happen in second quarters and then you know we'll get into it but it was just it was just an it was just a weird game a hilarious game uh what a, what a, it was a just peak weird, fun, crazy basketball. Yeah, I mean, the amazing thing about these two teams is they're impo- they they've only they only play ridiculous games this year. They only play ridiculous okay. games. The first, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just agreeing, and I was saying I um I have two uh two Celtics fans friends who I hang with in DC and watch hoops with, and uh, sorry, we have a text thread. And <laughs> well, every time we hang out, then watch the games is crazy. So like, it results in good basketball. So. Or I shouldn't say good, but uh, exciting basketball. And he, one of my my Boston fans' friends was like, "Oh yeah, I changed it to the Bruins game." 
why is Evan Fournier scoring all the points again, though? And I was just like, because nothing makes sense when we play you guys. And then he's like, I turned it back, and why is this a two-point game? And I just, like, took a screenshot of the message I said earlier. Like, dude, every time, it's just nothing makes sense when these teams play. I was 100% certain we were going to overtime. Yeah, in our Discord, when we went up, we went up, what, 104-101, right, after the RJ free throw? So he splits a pair, we go up three, and in the Discord, I was like, I've never been more certain of anything that they're going to hit a three right now. Like, they're going to hit a three, it's obvious, like, that's what's going to happen. And then, of course, like, first of all, they call, it was not a foul. Like, Burks literally didn't touch smart, but they just called a foul because he fell. Um, so whatever. They were, trying, they were doing that, sh- they were doing that shit all game. It was really annoying. Yeah, no, we're, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to the, the shitty stuff, but we're going to talk about the good stuff first. Uh, but yeah, then, and then like, then Randall gets fouled and literally when he was walking the line, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, he's going to, he's definitely missing one. Like there's no Absolutely. shot. He's making, it, like, there, his his no fourth quarter free throw percentage is literally like, like it's like 60% on substantial sample size. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was just like, yeah, there's no way he's making both. I was, and it's, I was like, I in my head, I was like, just give me one. I'll take like, I'll, I'll take one. And then you just make sure you don't give up three. Like I'll live with overtime. Cause in my head, I'm still like hundred percent. They're going to make a shot. We're going to overtime. Um, so yeah, then Tatum makes that shot. And I got to say this, I will say this. If you're going to call, the fouls that Tatum was getting offensively, like that fucking foul they called on Mitch, which, I mean, I don't know what the fuck they were looking at in the replay because Stan Van Gundy was like, oh, well, definitely can't challenge that's a foul. I was like, I don't think he touched him. Uh, that's why I, and then, I didn't listen to the thing because I was like, I, I love you, Stan, but like, this is just, this, he, he, he ain't it. Day. He ain't it. He ain't it. He was in a uh, bad day, though. I gotta say that. Um, and then, and then, like the other one, who was oh the Fournier one was ridiculous. Like that's just a ridiculous call. That's either not a foul which, or you call it a foul. The one where he spun and he has his hands low and then he brings it up through Fournier, who is like literally his hands are just straight up. It's not like his hands are down, and so he's like you know what I mean. Like he's basically the working worst, it up into his yeah. armpit, and it's like what is he supposed to do there? Like that, the that's worst one to me was Smart just jumping into Mitch. At the very oh, end, yeah. he ended up making the two free throws because, like, the other ones, like, you know, like, like shooters and scorers make it tricky by doing the Harden type stuff, and like, it's they're bad calls. Don't get me wrong, but like, I see why the refs are fooled. The one where Smart just literally Mitch just barely, he barely even jumped. I wish he jumped higher, motherfucking Mitch, but he barely even jumped. And yeah, we're gonna Smart get Mitch, just jumped. Just... Smart just jumped into him, and they gave him two foul. I mean, two free throws and. Anyway, you're right. Let's let's focus on on the let's let's get to the refs later and focus yeah, on. We'll get the to all the stuff. annoying. We'll get to the refs later. We'll get to like my thoughts the on the bad parts. Yeah. yeah, we'll get to the bad. Let's parts first later. talk about the RJ Barrett. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, all I was gonna say is so. I actually I won't say. I let me let me let me <laughs> rephrase this. I don't think RJ had a terrible game. I thought he had a very good learning experience game. And I think this is a game that if he's a studious person, which I think he is, this is a game he will look back at and realize this is the game where you spent all of your summer working on a pull-up. That This is the game for that. This was the game to take a bunch of pull-up mid-range jumpers. But we're going to get to that a little later. Um, you're such a like, you're such I, a, like, a good, proud father for RJ. Way to, yeah, I no, hope I, he learns I, the lesson. Because you're right. Like, Robert, like... This is the only credit I'll give any Celtic. Like Robert Williams was balling 
for three quarters of the game, really. And they kept challenging him, but, like, weakly. And he just kept... It was the same result over and over. And you're right. Like, you know, there wasn't many Knicks really taking advantage of his aggression, which uh, is unfortunate because they were just getting their shots punched left and right. But Yeah, because um, he's... Like, the thing is, he wasn't coming out... Like, I mean, I don't watch a lot of the Celtics, to be completely honest. But, like, I didn't get the sense watching them today that that Robert Williams spends much time away from the restricted area. Um, so no, like, it's, kind of, it's kind of like how, how we used to be with Mitch. Like he can defend on the perimeter, but they really just, they don't, they don't use him that way. I mean, they were switching him a little bit more. Like if Julius would call for a pick mm-hmm. and roll, then they would switch that. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, for the most part, he was just hanging on the restricted area. So like, for me, it was a little bit like that's like, and I thought he, he hit a mid range jumper in the third quarter which was nice, but he didn't go back to it. And then I thought actually, in the, it was, I thought Tibbs yeah, nailed. Yeah, yeah, I thought, well, I thought Tibbs nailed pulling him out exactly when he did. I thought he needed yeah, to come out when he good. did. I thought he, he needed to come out when he did. And I knew that when he pulled him from the, at that time, that it wasn't one of those things where RJ was not going to come back in the game. I knew he was going to come back in the game. And I thought when he came back in the game, he played a lot more within himself. He didn't, he wasn't trying, like, I think he had it in his right. head, right? And, and it, it's, it's like a recalibration where, like, I don't know what happened the last three games, but it was like he had to some. They, clearly, Tibbs was telling him like, "Why are you not driving? Drive to the fucking basket." And so, like, he's still that's, that, that's what has been working for him. So he's probably right. to some extent like he can't block them all, right? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, like, I, I think like he had in his head like, okay, like I gotta just keep, I gotta keep driving, I gotta be aggressive. This is how to be aggressive. And like, I thought in the fourth quarter he kind of recalibrated of like, okay, I can be aggressive, and I can also mm. like use that aggression to create brothers. Like I thought he, exactly. he made a really nice drove in kick to Fournier. He drove in kick to somebody else. I think it was, it was to IQ right on that, on the, on the mm-hmm. shot that put it, put us up one Oh three, one Oh one. Uh, he even had one in, um, in transition where I could tell, like he really wanted to drive, but then he's <laughs> like, I know I shouldn't drive. And he like passed it to Fournier and actually Tatum, tipped it out of bounds, I think, but like it was the right decision. And so I was like, yeah. th- like those are the things where I was like, I was like, you come back in after having a terrible three quarters, not a terrible, but like your decision making just sucked, right? Um, and I thought, I thought he showed a lot, and I thought, I thought it showed a lot of faith. I thought it was pretty cool that Tibbs drew that. That play was drawn up for him. That that final mm. shot, like you saw it. They they showed RJ. He was the last guy out of the huddle, and you saw I told my guy. Tibbs. I was like, they're one hundred percent going to use Ev and Julius as decoys. Yeah, and 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 they they did the same thing against Toronto uh, a few mm-hmm. weeks back, and you could see Tibbs like pointing out like come up curl whatever and like look he got lucky on the shot we like, there's no it's not like he called fucking glass and no obviously not but you I mean to your point he clearly got fouled on that shot which they were never going to call um and i just thought it was like a good reward for you know you, like i i know it's it's really annoying i think for a lot of people because it's, it's like well it's year three like yeah it is year three but i would not say that he's been an empowered shot creator so part of that is having ugly, hideous-ass games like this. And, like, I know that he's had bad shooting games previously. I thought this one was a little bit different for a variety of reasons. Um, but, like, yeah, I, I just thought... I thought he stuck with it, and I thought in the second half, I thought his defense was really good. Like, I thought... I thought in, I thought in general, to be honest, the first, I thought the entire game of the Knicks' defense was pretty good. They just got on fire for a bit in the second quarter. But I, I didn't really have a problem with their defense outside of Mitch, which I'm not going to talk about at this moment. Um, but I, yeah, I, I thought I, the Knicks in the, in the first quarter, it was... I, it was like kind of shaky. It wasn't like like. It started show. off really bad, but I thought yeah. it tightened up after like that first. Time yeah, out, 
the the thing you mentioned on offense um, about decision making with RJ, uh, I had a couple of tweets about that after the Raptors game. It's also the same with that. Like, like he's this season, he's not been a great decision maker on defense in terms of like when to get up on guys and then when to like bait them into this and like how to play the coverages and the off ball. But like, this was I think a game where he adjusted on both ends of the court. I didn't, and again, I didn't watch the second quarter, but in the first quarter, I didn't like his defensive decisions. I didn't like his offensive decisions. And then, like you said, they got into a, the whole lineup really got into a nice balance. I thought with, um, with like IQ and Julius doing the bulk of the playmaking, but Evan was so white hot that like, Everybody on the Celtics was on edge regarding him potentially getting a chance to play, make, or shoot at any given time. And RJ realized, all right, this is the way the balance is right now is I'm going to get my drives, but when I do it, I have to, you know, I'm not, I'm, it's not my show right now, right now. I'll take what I can, but yep. it's also my other guys right now who are killing, so I'm going to let them kill. And, and Julius, that, Julius had the same problem early in the game, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was so funny. Um, <laughs> he took a lot of just a lot of blame him because Evan. It was so crazy how Evan. And we've talked about this on the pod before about how sometimes Evan will be like, Nah, nah, nah. I don't like this right now. I'm gonna reject <laughs> passing this to you, Julius. And but he was like even more brazen with it because he was so on fire that you could see Julius be like, All right. It was like the the Drewski just saying Jif. It was just like, All right, all right. Let's do what you gotta do, Evan. Like, and you know. I forget what the stat was, but, like, in the first quarter, he's an 0 of 3, and then all of his other buckets, like, 8 of 17 or something like that in the for Julius in the last three quarters. So that's really, I think, I mean, it was such a weird game, but, like, that is, to me, that's the kind of hallmark of, like, if you look at a lot of good teams, like, yes, especially when there's multiple stars, those guys will tend to, get theirs every night and there tends to be a balance like the stars get 20 something this role player gets a bunch of threes and might get hot this guy is the junk man or whatever and boston and new york are similar in that they have guys who are the quote-unquote scorers um in different ways on each team but like they struggle to find that equilibrium regularly when like all right how do we make sure Fournier gets it going, or Smart gets it going, or Robert Williams gets a chance to facilitate a little. Like, both teams kind of have that same problem. And uh, even in the, I don't know how it was in the second quarter, but the, in the first quarter, like, like the Celtics were winning, but it wasn't really good offense. Um, it was bad defense by the Knicks, and just, like, a bunch of kind of bad shots that were going in for Boston. So I, I did have kind of hope. That's why I was so, so, so surprised when I checked my phone and they were getting blown out. And then Hopefully, you know, the Knicks can, moving forward can do what they did in the second half, which is, like, creative. And this is, you know, like you were saying, like, part of this is Tibbs and his rotations, and part of that is the players adapting. Like, they have to know not necessarily how to manage the hot hand. Today, it was so clear who was the hot hand that it made it easy for everyone. But, like, you have to be able to balance uh letting different guys create. And I think the main simplest key to all of that for is Julius Randle and his quick decision-making and uh, less annoying ISO ball. Like, it, it, I didn't notice too much of that in the second half. And, you know, even when he had 
plays I didn't like, it, it, they were decided quickly. It wasn't like futzing around at 17 feet or whatever for six seconds after taking six seconds to, you know, start the set. So um, that's the thing, right? Like when you have quick decisions, you literally have more chances in a possession to do stuff. So it allows, and it allows you to draw the defense more and drive and kick more. And we've seen Heat teams just get by with, multiple creators by just driving and kicking, driving and kicking, driving and kicking like th- two or three times in one possession for years. And uh, we don't have people who drive like that, but if you give the Knicks talent opportunities multiple in one possession, I think they play much better than uh, when they don't have that, which is why it, you know it's no accident that when IQ is in, that's how it happens. Not because he's some Chris Paul, dude, because he plays with pace and he does the basics, but he does it fast and he does it sharp. So, like, we've seen Tibbs close with those guys, and I hope I hope they give him more than just the closing minutes going forward. And I gotta say this: um, do you do you remember Jalen Brown doing anything in the fourth quarter? No, he didn't. Really I don't remember stand doing out. anything. I remember in the smart doing. I don't remember stuff. doing anything in the second half. The only thing I remember doing in the second half is I think like. He jumped in the air one time by around Mitch and then threw the ball out of bounds behind him. Um, but, like, I bring this up because of exactly what you just said. Um, it's, like, I think us in Boston have very similar issues. Um, like, Julius is a gifted player. I think RJ is a pretty gifted player. I think Fournier is a pretty gifted scorer. And I know that it's hilarious to say that considering how much I've shit on Fournier and how bad he's been this year at times. But, like, his track record shows he's a pretty gifted scorer. Not saying he's like he's not an all star scorer or something, but the guy's average what, eighteen eighteen points per game for on like fifty eight, sixty true shooting for the last three, four years. Like the guy can score. He got he got something in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He like he can score. Um and but ultimately we struggled to like share the ball and have flow and 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 keep everybody involved because neither of these teams has a good enough point guard. They don't we neither of us has a good enough lead guard. And like, yes, you can run your offense through Tatum. Yes, you can run your offense through Julius Randle. But, like, there's limitations to that because they're not LeBron James. They're not Luka Doncic. They're not Jason Tatum. Or they're not, uh, sorry, Jason Tatum. They're not James Harden. They're not one of these jumbo wing bigs, like, that can duel up, right? They, they can't do it. Like, just because they can create plays doesn't mean they're well-suited to being your point guard, ostensibly. And, like, yes, Jason Tatum had nine assists today. Who did he get involved? He the only people he got involved were guys directly involved in the play. Like that's who was involved in the play. It was a two man yeah. game, basically. It's not all it's his passes were smart. All his passes were to Robert Williams, and so like that's that, that I, that's why I wanted to ask you about Jalen Brown. It was more of like a rhetorical question because it's like Jalen Brown was not involved because, and I don't I have sympathy a little bit for Jason Tatum because it's like ultimately like yeah he can have these games where he has thirty six nine and six and it looks great on the stat sheet, but like. He's not keeping everybody involved, and it's quite frankly, it's a ridiculous expectation to have of him. Like that's just not the yeah. type of players. And I and I and I think like that's and I, I want to go back to Randall a little bit because like I know I, I mean he had a hell of a quote after the game today. They he gave the crowd a thumbs down. They asked him <laughs> what he meant by that, and he said, uh, "Shut the fuck up." That's what he meant. So Julius, yo, Randall, I I need Julius Randall like random heel turn 
full back running like people it. over, booing the crowd. Hell yeah. You kidding me? I like I liked his energy today. I thought I thought he I, I like that I like him just saying fuck these yeah. people. Like he's playing like it now. The last two games he's just played like I don't give a fuck. I'm just gonna play. The, like, the he, only time the only time that broke was, was when he had a wide open three pointer in crunch time and as soon as he released it I was like he aimed it. And then the free throw. He wasn't expecting like, okay. to be open, and he didn't want to take that shot. <laughs> no, there was zero, there was zero chance that shot was going in. But like before, for like the you know the preceding twenty minutes of hoop, like it. That's that. It's not just the. It's a different sort of I'm better than you, right? We've talked about uh, on this pod, like both body language wise and decision making wise, his his I'm better than you often results in like. Like how I'd play when I'm playing my nephews. Like I'm sizing you up because, like, I, you know, you're a half a foot shorter than me, and I'm about to just break your ankles. Except the skill difference is not that. The skill is usually Julius sizing the defense up that is very well prepared to defend against him. Right, but it's like, the NBA. When, Correct. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but when he's like, "Oh, f you," I'm mad. I've time to time to show out. Like he he's doing the decisions quick because he's like, I'm trying to hurt you right now. I'm trying to, that, I'm trying that's to why he didn't get that you don't that's, belong here. That's why he didn't get called for an offensive foul on Grant Williams because he just went. He just went. Like, that exactly. was probably an offensive foul, but he just went. So they were like, and to be fair, for, for this is the weirdest thing about this game. For the most part, they were letting contact go. So, like, Julius, he just went. And at the, it was hilarious watching Grant Williams because they zoomed in on him on the ground and he was like, staring at the ref. And Julius was going crazy at the end of the third quarter. Like, that's as fired up as I've seen him yeah, all season. The whole season. I mean, the whole season. season. And Grant Williams is, he, you know, he's no he's, he's no slim chicken, right? He's a, he's a yeah. big boy. <laughs> yeah. He just bodied him up and just sent him to the floor, finished that. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, his stat line, is there anything spectacular today? He had 22 points on 20 shots, 2 of 8 from 3, uh, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, but I thought he played a great game. I thought he played a really zero, turn- game. zero a turnovers. Game. Zero turnovers. Most important. Most important. Randall's that there. I mean, you yeah. could say plus fourteen, but but zero yeah. turnovers, and that's that's really it. Like, and I thought his defense make- was good. Yeah, I had no, I had no, I had no. There was no point in the game. There was like one possession where in the first the quarter, over. yeah, yeah, where he put his hand <laughs> down on a shooter mid range, and that's that's what we we're talking about. Like, I know you don't respect shooter, but you have to put your hand up because this is the NBA, dude. So, so, like, I don't respect him either, but you have to do it, bro. That's just what happens in the NBA. Otherwise, this motherfucker ends up going seven for eight in the first half. That's what happens. But, um, yeah, the quick decision-making, it, it's just we, we don't have – for Julius and Randall, like you said, they're, they're not they're – not, I mean, not Julius and Randall. Julius, <laughs> Julius and RJ, they're, they're not point guards. Like, they're – but they have passing skills, and they can both command attention – so for them, it's just a matter of quick decisions and then smart decisions with regards to shot selection. And if they can do that, um, that goes a long way. And, you know, to what you were saying before about having a good point guard, like, you need – it's really not even that high of a bar that that it that is the issue with Boston and New York. Like, neither team clears it right now, but it's not a high bar. Like, Derek Rose clears it because – not because he's some amazing like star point guard, but because he generally has an idea like, all right, we need to do things fast. I need to penetrate a little bit, and I need to be a threat of some kind. And IQ also gets that. AB, AB is a caretaker, but he's not really setting things up quick. And I'll give you the best anecdote I can to describe uh, the difference between AB and a point guard. 
and I'm stealing it from, oddly enough, a TNT guy, because even though I know I slandered them earlier, this was years ago. They were having, I don't even remember the name of the show. It was one of those shows where, like, all the late 90s, early 00 guys who were retired and working with TNT are just, like, in a room chilling and exchanging anecdotes and making bad jokes and stuff. And they asked um, Steve Smith, although Steve Smith's not bad. Shout out Steve Smith. They asked Steve Smith, they were talking about Penny Hardaway for some reason, and he was telling an anecdote of when he realized Penny was, like, for real and for sure a point guard was that, like, he tried to pressure Penny up at, like, 35 feet near half court, and Penny didn't turn around. He didn't turn around to protect the ball with his body. And that's when Steve Smith was like, oh, I've made a mistake. <laughs> like, I can't do that to this guy because he's an actual point guard and he's going to get by me. You look at every single possession. When somebody pressures AB up, he turns around. He never loses the ball because he's passable and he knows what he's doing. Um, but he turns around. And so you can pressure him and immediately shave off, you know, five, six, seven, eight seconds of the shot clock. And that's just not going to do it. That's not going to do it for this team. We don't really have that kind of margin for error, um, unfortunately. So, uh, you know, I, I really do think uh, slotting IQ in more while D-Rose is hurt and then letting Deuce run some point um, with the with the bench will really be a big change in that respect because it it will give them guys who will get into the sets fast and play with pace, and then uh, it'll let AB do the stuff he does best, which is not point guarding, but literally everything else because he's very versatile. Um, but that's yeah, enough well, of all this nuanced shit. We need to talk about my son, the Algerian assassin. This, to me, was, I'm going to say, the third, at least right now in the heat of the moment, maybe like the third most fun, pure shooting game I've seen by a Nick. Number one is uh, is the mellow 60-whatever-point game. Number two is Jamal Crawford versus the Heat when he scored 56 on, like, no free throws and it was just like he didn't miss from the for like a 18 minute stretch from the second and third quarters I think or something like that this was this was insane to the point where he was seeking the ball out and this was like summer pickup run shit like he was seeking the ball out and was like no I'm expanding my bag because I'm feeling it right now like that was that shit was crazy bro yeah I, I thought I don't. I don't even understand his. Like, I, I don't get him at all. I. I what a bizarre player. He's averaging like thirty five against the Celtics, and like 14, 12 yeah, against everyone else. He's averaging like ten against the rest of the league. Probably less than that. Um, like, I. I don't even know. I. I just thought. I thought he was awesome. I, I thought. I thought he. He he's so like it's like if the first shot goes in for him, I feel like it changes his entire attitude or something. Because as soon as his first shot went in, or did he make his first shot? Or he might, he might have missed his first shot and then re got the guy the ball again and hit a three right after that. But like when he makes a shot early in the game, I feel like it opens everything up. And for whatever reason, it's so weird. But like, he, so I think the Celtics are a weird matchup for us because like RJ and Randall against their wings is like. They, they have trouble scoring on their wings. Um, but, like, for some reason, Evan is good at getting into the paint on them. Like, it's very odd. Like, he, he's the best probably we have uh, in terms of non-Derek Rose players uh, of just getting into the paint consistently on a pick and roll. And he was doing that a bunch today. Obviously, that wasn't 
his three point shooting was amazing. But like I that was actually a very noticeable thing for me. Uh he threw a pretty bizarre lob to Todd, which worked out. Uh, oh my god. That was like he threw that shit and I was like there's no way that's going to land. And it, it was like a perfect, I, again, this, here we go. Another podcast with me talking about football analogies. It was like a perfect end zone, just floating it to the back of the end zone where they just stretch it out and credit ties because the Knicks had fucking bumble hands all game except for that play. But um, you landed that shit. And I was like, somehow this play worked out. That's how I know it's not just the shooting right now for Evan. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wall and drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wall and wherever you get your podcasts.